service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How does this day find you, my friend? It's heating up, man. This uh, this studio home office situation, it's a hot one. And you told me, <laughs> you told me that we were insane for not having air conditioning and... <laughs> You're being proven more right by the day. <laughs> yeah, it's been very caliente here in Los Angeles the last... You you live on the on the cool side of town. I mean, not like socially cool, no, but the thermally cool side kind of, of town. Yeah. Ther- <laughs> in thermal only, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, boy, I, I don't... Uh, I don't know how you're doing it, man. I, uh, I hope you paid for the... Overnight shipping on whatever you've ordered to to cool your place off. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some money. It's going <laughs> to take some work. All of those happening during the hottest months. I'm yeah, told, right? Fun. <laughs> Fortunately, the hottest months last until like October. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> you've got a while. You'll have plenty of days to appreciate having gotten it. I was just going to say it. Like, uh, God, in, in my previous home, I feel like when our furnace broke and we got a new one, like spring had sprung. And so we were like, <laughs> oh, shit, like <laughs> not even going to use this thing. But uh, that's not going to be the case yeah, yeah. in L.A., that's for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'll be content to cooling myself off with uh, a giant tankard of iced rum and coffee. It's so damn hot. <laughs> Is that that's what you're I'm, drinking? Yeah. That's what I'm Man. rocking today. I woke up super early this morning because my dog was like pawing at the door and I thought he wanted to, I thought he had like a bathroom emergency, but it turned out he was just hungry. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he fooled me. You, uh, like there's an urgency to that if, if your, if your special animal friend starts communicating yeah. a lot, <laughs> you immediately go into triage mode. Right. And, and. He's the he's the kind of dog that will give you a zup if he's uh, about to if he's about to do a poo, you know, like if he has an emergency poo that he needs to make, he will he will make it known so that he doesn't have to do it inside the house. My dog has become a uh, as soon as we leave the house pooper, <laughs> and then before we even get to the end of the block, second pooper. Wow. <laughs> And this has happened uh, for the last week and a half almost. Huh. This has been the case. Good for him. Hey, you know, speaking of walking dogs. He's got it's like kind a of... kangaroo pouch for a butt. <laughs> <laughs> What's like going on in there? like son. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a proud parent. <laughs> speaking of uh, walking dogs, it being one of the few excuses I get to leave the house these days. Uh, I actually had a dog-related bad bit moment recently, Adam. Wow. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, 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 
I was doing bits. Bad bit moment. Bad bit moment. All right. Uh, what happened? So there's a guy that I see sometimes walking my dog that is like a a cool surfer SoCal guy. And uh, he's got like he's got like shoulder length blonde hair and a and a golden lab and classic SoCal surfer dude. Yeah, and with uh, a SoCal surfer dog. Yeah, he uh, he always waves hi to me, and I always wave hi back. And uh, I've never like really exchanged many words with him because I just see him in passing at the park. But uh, the other day at the park, uh, his dog was finishing a pee as my dog and I entered the park and Darwin ran over to where the pee was instead of to say hi to the dog. Darwin went to smell the dog's pee. And I, uh, I stood there while this was happening and I said, uh, yeah, I guess my dog's a bit of a piss freak. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. And uh, <laughs> 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 this guy who I've like literally not talked to doesn't know my sense of humor. You just go right there. Just went right to piss freak. And like my face is half covered by a mask. So I, I imagine he didn't see how badly I blushed, but <laughs> he definitely like looked at me like a, huh, didn't see it. Didn't see that coming. Kind of. It occurs to me that Darwin may be misnamed. <laughs> I'd like to think of him as Bashir or Julian. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, really bad bit moment. I joke that I like if if I had done that in your presence, I think you would have appreciated it greatly. But oh yeah, springing it on a stranger just does not work. There are a lot of drawbacks to the mask socially, and most of those occur with during interactions with strangers. Totally, like I have found walking around here on those dog walks. Uh, it's totally different from walking around in Seattle because you are uh, greeted as a living human being by other people in LA that, <laughs> that you're almost totally ignored in Seattle. And so I've gotten used to this new way of being. Like you pass someone on the sidewalk, like, you know, you you keep your distance, you pass on the sidewalk. There's pre-mask, there was a, there was a zip or a recognition of a person's humanity. Yeah. The mask makes that a lot harder. So I've been doing a lot of waving. Waving is, wave. is is the new thing, yeah. Yeah, I often have headphones in when I'm walking my dog, and and I think a lot, like I think half of the people have gone to a verbal thing. They've replaced their like smile and and right. slight nod with a "Hey, how are you?" or Hello. or something like that. Yeah, and and the other half of the people are on the the waving plan, and. Yeah. I feel bad because a lot of people say something to me and then I have to like stop and take the earbud out and go, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. What did you say? And they're like, oh, I just said hi. <laughs> you got to, I mean, it, I get all up in my head about the wave thing because you you have the choice of transmitting information with that maneuver. And mm -hmm. I made a mistake one time of being like wiggly fingers wave guy. <laughs> you do not want to be that guy, Ben. Like yeah. a, nice, a nice crisp... Uh, almost like a handshake, right? Like you handshake and then like one pump and then you're out. Well, <laughs> the way we used to handshake, no one's going to shake anyone's hand anymore for the rest of our lives. But now I feel like the single wave is the yeah. way to be. No fingers. Keep your fingers out of there. Should we be live long and prospering people? Or is that too dorky? 
I don't think I can do it, man. (laughs) That is way too dorky. Yeah, it's really dorky. I think Wiggly Fingers is is better than than Live Long and Prosper Fingers. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Live Long and Prosper... It says too many, like, it's it's an uncontrolled message. In the same way that Wiggly Fingers is, I, I think. Like, it it might mean too many too many unintended things. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know what, what Wiggly Fingers say, but I know it's not something I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a German phrase that you know, but you don't know the translation of. <laughs> It's like you're sitting you're sitting down with a German speaker and they're and they're like I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit on this guy by <laughs> by teaching him to like parrot this phrase that means something awful. That's what wiggly fingers are. It's mm-hmm. the awful German phrase that you don't know the definition of. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. You know, we haven't added another rule to Adam and Ben's rules of living, aka Ben and Adam's rules of living. Uh, in a long, long time, and I'm wondering if when waving at someone, do not wiggle your fingers, is a candidate for for that wow. list. Yeah, I mean, it seems like an important life lesson. I I, uh, I just pulled up the Greatest Generation wiki. Right. Uh, That's where all have, those rules live, right? I have the rules here in front of me. All right, let's recap. Should we, should we go through the rules real I quick? I think that's important, yeah. Okay. Rule number one, seats on airplanes must never be reclined, which is basically, we could take that off the list at this point because I'm never going to get on another airplane, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's just, it's such a gut punch already. (laughs) Uh, Rule number two, don't touch the screen. Fair. Rule number three. That's almost inarguable, right? Like people really love to argue about rule number one. That now, not arguable because it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, there aren't airplanes anymore. So whether or not the seats are reclining is a moot point. I think two is, is has been elevated maybe to into the number one position because wow. especially <laughs> now that you're now that most people are living and working from home, uh, yeah. there might be you might find something out about yeah. the person you live with or you're, or your your special partner. You're ordering a new desk lamp, and your partner comes over to to see the array of products that your internet search has returned That's a bad moment and they touch the screen to show you which one they like no way yeah. get your fingers off my screen it's no good all right number three leave without saying goodbye number four be kind and polite tip well and be brief with customer service people that's a good rule that's like the golden rule yeah it's, it's perfect number five no bits on tips no bits on tips number six the bathroom in an RV is for number ones only. <laughs> That's a big rule. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to come up in my life because I'm never going to have RV money, but it's a good rule. You could, but you could be invited into an RV in a situation where you thought it was a safe harbor for a number two, but it is not. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, rule number seven, the greatest generation must be listened to at 1x. I think those are all solid. I don't think we're kicking any of those rules out. I think some have become less relevant than others. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about adding wiggle fingers to the list? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so rule number eight. When waving at a stranger, no wiggly fingers. 
Oh, boy. It's fun to look back at these rules. We haven't talked about them in a long time. I know. Life Rules by Ben and Adam. <laughs> yeah, the the two least qualified people to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not an advice show. No, it sure isn't. Well, Adam, do you want to get into our super serious, joke-free Star Trek podcast? Always ready to take an episode of Star Trek seriously with you, Ben. Let's really give this one the academic treatment. It's Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 22, Valiant. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. We are opening at Quark's bar where the drink replicator is broken. Quark is working his ass off actually making drinks, which seems like, I mean, you see him making drinks on a lot of episodes, but this seems to be like an especially intense drink-making situation. I like that he cracks an egg into somebody's beverage. Quarks needs a speed well. <laughs> That's and the he, problem. He's too reliant on that replicator. Yeah. It's uh, Dax that comes in to fix it. You. That's right. Because ordinarily, there's like a hierarchy of people who would fix this device. You, you submit the, the, uh, the ticket. And it goes to O'Brien, who then shoves it off onto Rom, who then shoves Mm -hmm. it off onto Nog, and Nog doesn't give a shit about Quark, so he would not get in there expediently. When you look at this drink replicator, (laughs) what you got here is a real bartender's lament. (laughs) As you can see, the manifolds are a jumbled mess mixing lead pipes, copper, PVC, and various other materials. And they're from all different eras of the bar being in service. This bartender has not cleared up his filters. (laughs) Therefore, his drink gun is going to be clogged most of the time. (laughs) I wouldn't want to suck down the bacteria-filled beverages in in this dive for all the money in the world. It's so gross. Yeah. When, When they pull down this panel, there's something instinctually revolting about the mix of technology and and wet yeah totally you know, like like when the panels dropped and you see all the lights but you also see viscosity <laughs> Ugh, it's gross it's a very like david cronenberg feel right. and yeah. yeah i kind of i think that like maybe like i think it's a very effective little moment except for they also smeared the green goo on just the face of the replicator. And I think it would have been a little bit better if he'd he'd like cleaned up the kind of cosmetic thing and then when she'd opened it, it had revealed how gross it was. Yeah. Because like, I think that as a businessman, especially like a food service business, you're, you are hiding the grossness from the customer. You know, like if you walk yeah. into a restaurant and you see chicken carcasses and... Uh, and the garbage can, you're like, ew, I don't want to be here. Like, part of it is the theatrics of this beautiful plate of food just appeared on my plate and I didn't have to see any of the sausage get made. Is that the reason outside of, like, slip and fall safety why why there's, there's like, the waffle flooring behind <laughs> the bar, why there's the uh, the rubber mat where drinks are prepared? Like, right, yeah. Because you want to catch the shit, but but you also need to hide it. Right, yeah. You want it to be a little bit discreet. Yeah. 
So Dax is doing Nog a solid, filling in on repair duty because Nog is uh, is on a trip. Nog had a chance to take a trip to Ferenganar, and I told him that I would cover for him while he was away. Yeah. With, for some reason, Jake. <laughs> Quark takes great umbrage with the idea that both Nog is heading to Ferenganar and also that Dax is his super. <laughs> and Odo picks up right away that it's not so much that that he believes that Dax is overqualified for this. Yeah. It is because of Quark's infatuation with her. Odo has real, like, first guy in high school to get a girlfriend energy, where mm-hmm. suddenly he's the expert on relationships and love because he got a girlfriend. It sucks. Cut it out, Odo. <laughs> Fuck you, Odo. <laughs> I don't really enjoy that the outshot of this scene is also Quark full on staring at Dax's ass for five <laughs> seconds before we cut to the runabout. Yeah, like if we're going to have Odo catching Quark in something, let's have him catch him do that, you know? That's a great call. Like, I think you could re-edit the scene with the footage that they have and totally. change how that feels entirely. Yeah, and make Quark... You know, peg the needle with what a what a dirtbag Quark is. Theater in the round, eh, Quark? <laughs> <laughs> you don't see trunk space like that on a mid-sized runabout. <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. <laughs> There's a reuniting of the Noje Consortium on the runabout Shenandoah. The Noje Consortium. Never heard of it. It's Jake and Nog. Nog admits that uh, this is a this is a mission. This is a courier mission for him. He's been tasked with personally taking a message from the Federation to the Grand Nagus, and for some reason, Jake is there to tag along. Pretty nuts for Nog to be trusted with a high-level diplomatic communique like this. This is the Federation making a an explicit overture to the Ferengi Alliance to join the war with the Dominion. And they give it to, I mean, like, you know, they make the case he's the only Ferengi in Starfleet, which is worth mentioning, but also, like, give me a fucking break. It's Nog. It makes total sense that he would be a part of the mission. It makes no sense that there is not also a diplomat with him. Right. At least stick a diplomat in, t- in the runabout that's tasked with dying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, at least begin there. So they head out toward Ferenganar from Starbase 3, blah, 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 blah. And um, pre- in pretty short order, they detect that they are not alone in this part of space. They roll over the part of space they're in, and uh, the log reveals just a bunch of ticks <laughs> <laughs> underneath. And they're heading the wrong way. <laughs> I think that we see five ticks in the mm-hmm. in the view screen, and they just go right past them. But then one circles back for the Shenandoah. I think I think all five should have just licked a shot at them. Yeah, <laughs> you know that would have been easy, especially if you're the jammer and not the jammed. Right, because yeah. because that's one of the things that that Nog complains about pretty fast as soon as they leave the starbase. He's like, you know. For some reason, our sensors are jammed and we can't communicate. And then, blam, here's all the ticks. <laughs> but the ticks don't have that problem. Right. The ticks can sense that the runabout is headed their way. Uh-oh. Right. Yeah. I, uh, it's 
strange. There's a pretty like jazzy camera shot kind of swooping across the 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 bridge as they start taking evasive maneuvers and trying to outrun these ticks that yeah. reveals that the control panels on the Shenandoah are really fucked up and lived in. Did you see yeah. this? I noticed that too. It's it's the part where they took they took like a, a structural pillar out from the between the the forward windows. Yeah. So they could fit the camera behind there. And all you see is like the place where that structure was and it's not covered. Yeah. It looks like nails were ripped up and out of it. Yeah. It's it it doesn't look like a clean piece of technology. It looks it looks like fucked up plywood, you know? The camera move, I think, is one that they're hoping is so unique that that's where your attention is like yeah. you're looking at faces and you're experiencing a camera move instead of really taking in the place i think it's also one of those we're shooting for sd tv and maybe this mm-hmm. gets cut off on nine out of ten tvs gets a little muddy with resolution yeah so yeah. uh i don't know it was weird i, I it, it it was what i noticed in the shot <laughs> but it is like a new kind of uh thing right like that kind of inside the cockpit of the X-Wing kind of camera work that, that they're working with. It felt like a greater usage of the runabout space here than we've ever gotten before. And it's not just that shot. The establishing shot inside the Shenandoah, also shooting from behind mm-hmm. as that door to the rear opens, it felt like a new perspective on the ship that we haven't gotten much before. Totally. The shot from the fruit bowl. That's what that is. <laughs> the fruit bowl angle. Yeah. It's wild to think that like they're in season six with the runabout and somebody came up with some new stuff to do with them, camera yeah. work wise. This was a Michael Vihar episode of yeah. uh, of Vihar and Viharder fame. <laughs> if you remember that story. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's also partly going to CG instead of model miniatures for the for the exteriors thing. Because, like, they can make those shots so much more dynamic with CG. I wonder if they need to kind of step up the camera work on the interiors to match that. Yeah, I wonder. I like that instinct. You don't want your practical stuff blown away. No. It's not going to fit. It'll look bad. After the theme, we learn that Nog floored it into Dominion-held space, and they're getting deeper in Dominion-held space. This is a bad strategy by Nog, who sort of, like, brushes Jake off in a, like, this is the only place we could go. Mm -hmm. Like, we're being chased. What do you want me to do? (laughs) And, you know, they start to get a lot of holes punched in their runabout. Did you notice what the computer said when the tick was attacking the Shenandoah? No. So they're getting bangers dropped on them, and... The Luxana Troy voice comes on the blower and says, Warning, we are within range of enemy weapons. I thought that was a really bizarre statement. Like, I've never heard a computer say we. Right. The computer usually refers to the ship in, like, the third person. It doesn't have a... It doesn't have an I. This felt like a very strange editing omission. Hmm. Like, I feel like there is a show Bible about how the computer speaks, and I don't think we is ever... Yeah. Said by computer voice. That's very strange. It it definitely caught my attention. Yeah. Activate escape pods. Send out the log boy. All hands abandoned ship. Fortunately, the cavalry comes in 
And this is a, a ship that they are initially misidentify as the little D, but it is in fact the little V, <laughs> which is kind enough to take out this tick and beams Jake and Nog aboard. And uh, this is a very familiar set. The The interiors of, of the Valiant look just like the interiors of the Defiant. Very right. cheap television. Um, Everything is tilted slightly like that sister station to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> totally. Chief Petty Officer Kelly Clarkson <laughs> is who they meet, who's transported them on board. Uh, this is Dorian Collins. Yeah. Yeah. She's sort of the Chief O'Brien of the Valiant. Uh, and yeah. uh, she's got an interesting... She's got the Chief O'Brien pip on one side and then kind of an interesting brooch on the other side of her collar and she takes them up to the bridge where a bunch of uh, Starfleet cadet uniformed Starfleets all wearing this collar brooch are uh, finishing up their fight with the tick they uh, they you know fire a full spread of torpedoes with maximum yield take that thing out all ships destroyed, Captain. Begin rescue of the stranded crew. It's a very strange environment. It's it's Red Squad. It's a it's a bunch of college kids working this warship. It's the USS Parents on Vacation. <laughs> it's a real Lord of the Ticks situation. It is. We get. <laughs> There's something about the quality of Tim Waters, the ship's commanding officer, that. That I think is ably performed. Like Paul Popovich is like he's he's Jasper from Jasper's Law on nine oh two one oh. Like he's a little bit typecast as a guy with a punchable face. <laughs> and he's got like he's got Ben Affleck teeth before the teeth job. And like there's so much about him that is just like not Right. From the way that that he interacts with people to the way that he like swings his command chair around, like everything just seems unearned about him. Right. He's got like he's got like performative world weariness where yeah. he's he wants people to think of him as a forty nine year old captain who's logged twenty thousand hours in, in the chair and what he really is is a college student. For for all intents and purposes, and uh, right, this is very like USS ROTC. Yeah, I wondered if the casting cast for height because Jake is so much taller than everyone else in this in this crew in a way that it's was so clear in this episode. Yeah, like they 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 found actors that were on the shorter side to I guess to kind of like underscore how young they're supposed to be. Yeah, uh, the actor who plays Ferris is the same height as Aaron Eisenberg. Wow! Like, yeah. like, and when they're together in a in a scene, uh, you can really tell. Commander Henson. So the captain, Captain Tim, welcomes them aboard and explains that uh, that they've been field promoted. He's he he was field promoted to captain of the ship and. In his capacity as captain of the ship, has field promoted all of the other members of Red Squad, and they've been they've been out here for eight months, prosecuting the war as though they are a ship in Starfleet. The captain ordered me to take command of the Valiant. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I think this scene is really well done when he kind of over explains his 
authority and his origin story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like a guy, like we know the ship has been out for eight months or whatever. And this guy has had nothing but time to practice what he was going to say <laughs> the, the first time he had to explain himself. And it feels very practiced. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but I'm sad that he died in this episode because I wanted to see him explain it to somebody who actually had some authority over right. him. Yeah. Like I wanted to I, agree. I, I think it would have been so fun to see him say it in exactly this tone of voice to Captain Sisko or Admiral Beltbuckle. All right, as you wish. There is a visual language to this moment too that caught my eye. So like Waters is sitting back in his command chair, and this is a location we've been in a thousand times when a when a captain speaks to a subordinate leaning back in their chair. But this is the first time I remember the laptop covering up like <laughs> almost half of the frame <laughs> and what do we know about compositions that that are that are created this way like this is a character covering for something this is a character with something to hide yeah like this is a this is that language being spoken and also like that huge starfleet academy red squad logo on the wall is like it is like comically big you can't take someone seriously if they've got like a movie poster in their office and they're like an executive, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. He offers Nog a bottle of water and he's like, so what are you working on these days? Right, right. <laughs> Jake's getting fixed up in Six Bay and Nog is getting promoted to ch chief engineer of the ship. And it's it's kind of fun that they get separated for a little while, right? Like, Right, right. Because Jake, Jake doesn't see Nog again for a long time. <laughs> And they each have very different experiences while they're apart, and it really engenders the conflict that happens between them later. Yeah. I think one thing we maybe forgot to mention is that Jake talked to Nog a little bit about the fact that he was interested in doing a little bit of reporting on this trip to Ferenginar. Like, he was interested yeah. in maybe getting exclusive with the Grand Nagus for the Federation mm -hmm. News Service, and... Now, like he is, he is really got. He is onto a story that nobody knows exists, but he doesn't seem to be like in reporter mode for much of the beginning of this episode. The temptation to like you know pull out the the pad and start taking notes doesn't seem to get to him just yet. This is about the part in the episode when there's there's a lot I love about this episode, but. The story really falls apart when you start to scratch the surface of like the spatial geography of things. Yeah. Because if this ship has been tasked with charting the the border of Federation space. Right. They've been at it for eight months. All of the adults die. And then they find, find themselves moments away from the starbase that Jake and Nog just left. We're told a little later that they that they must maintain radio silence. Like there's so many contradictory pieces of information here. Yeah. That, like, well, that's the th that's the other reason that I'm sad that Captain Tim buys it is that I, I, to me, it seemed that Captain Tim had kind of made up the radio silence thing, and yeah. that he had like taken the orders that were meant for the real officer that was on on board the ship, and assumed uh assumed the responsibility of doing the those orders do you think that's what the story is yeah yeah i think that that's i think that's what the story is but it's never said explicitly in the episode 
it's really interesting that that it isn't explicit and it's better that it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Because you could interpret it other ways too. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Some chief engineers are born with warp cores, but Nog is the type of chief engineer that has a warp core thrust upon him. This is not something that you throw away. <laughs> this is the other great piece of story utility in this, which is like, okay, we can reuse all the sets from the little D, but we can also have it be a convenient story element that Nog knows his way around this type of engine. Yeah. And he can like make expert suggestions to the first officer about like the you know, the intermix system or whatever. Have you recalibrated the lateral impulse control system? No. What does that have to do with the injectors? He's pretty rapidly field promoted. And uh, that's where he goes uh, while Jake goes and hangs out in the mess hall. There's a euphoria to the moment where you feel like you're in a group of people that are either professionally or socially of a higher class than than yourself. Yeah. When you like, when you feel like you make it, you said the right thing at the right time, and all of a sudden you're part of the club. <laughs> that moment for Nog here is pronounced. He has a solution to their warp drive problem. He's invited into a, a squad that he's always wanted to be in and has been ostracized from. It's it's great. That's the hook. Like he's hooked, and he will be hooked throughout the episode because of it. Like he's finally where he's always wanted to be. The mission is that that was uh, you know sent on the assumption that there was there were still adults aboard to, to the USS Valiant is get some intel on this crazy Jem'Hadar ship that is operating somewhere in nearby space and and get the intel back to Starfleet and and they've been able to like d- determine the location of this ship but because the warp engine has been badly disabled they've never been able to get close enough to it to complete the mission and so with nagabor they can finally uh they can finally get their engine going fast enough to to find this ship and and get a close look at it it feels like a very crimson tide adjacent story right mm-hmm. like but except for blindly firing nuclear missiles without secondary confirmation they've got command of a little d for as long as they choose to have it because of this radio silence mandate yeah unlike crimson tide where the radio is broken in this mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. episode the radio has been turned off unilaterally by the commanding officer you ever watched star trek i don't know if i wish this but it would have been interesting to see uh waters throw his sabo into the communication system yeah hence the word Sabotage. For some reason, Jake is in the mess hall with the chief, and uh, he starts talking to her about, you know, where she's from, talking to her about what it's like to grow up on the moon. And she's been away from home for a long time. She's uh, She speaks very poetically about what living on the moon is like, and she's really homesick. She dominates this scene. This actor uh, who plays Collins... Ashley Brienne McDonough. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of credits, like, but she's so good. She sinks her teeth into this like she's Charlton Heston in Wayne's World. Like, I was totally shocked by this. And yeah. I was not prepared for how how seriously she monologued her experience. Dawn is so 
shocking on the moon. It belonged because it felt true to her character, but it also felt like it didn't belong because no one else was taking their stories as seriously as she was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I want to know what happened with this actor because it doesn't seem like she did. She worked that much, but she's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, if Nana Visitor had been on set this day, she would have been like, hey, like, an eight is good. <laughs> like, take it from me. Take it from me. You can you can cut these people's heads off yeah. if you go all the way to ten. <laughs> like, dial it back. <laughs> In engineering, Nog is proposing the violation of a bunch of safety regulations uh, in order to solve their warp speed limit problem. This is inspired by Chief O'Brien. This is what O'Brien does every day. Yeah, O'Brien has apparently broken. 50 regulations to get the little D working the way it does. And Nog is uh, working from his playbook. And suddenly the command staff of this essentially hijacked starship are concerned about following the rules. Right. <laughs> but uh, but Lieutenant Commander Nog uh, talks his way past this. What was up with him being Lieutenant Commander but having Lieutenant Pips? The Pips thing is something I thought a lot about because like all of these little kids are wearing pips. Yeah. Like Waters is wearing the four pips. Did he did he take them off of the body of his dead captain? <laughs> Do you just replicate the pips or are the pips unreplicatable so that you can't get uh stolen pip valor? <laughs> you know, by going into going into Cisco's restaurant. Right getting the 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 four pip discount right i don't think that i feel like the i feel like they've got to just be a replicator thing one of the scenes i really love from star trek picard was rios going through all of his old starfleet things and it's like a shoebox full of pips yeah yeah he had he had a zillion pips it made it seem as though the pips had a value to them that was unreplicatable right and like it seems like you get issued a whole new set of pips every time you go up a rank. Not it's not yeah. like if you're an ensign and you're being made a lieutenant. It's not that they just give you one more pip. It's that they give right. you the the full two pips, right? Right. So some pip issues in this episode. <laughs> right. Collins, who last we saw her had just been crying in the mess hall with Jake, has changed venues. She's gone to a second location to cry. <laughs> That being the infirmary on the ship when uh, when Waters walks in yeah. uh, and goes for the pillbox. C- Captain Tim uh, is raiding the ship pharmacy. And uh, we begin to understand that he's been popping some pills to take the edge off the pressures of command. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. And uh, he notices that Chief Collins is having a problem. And... Uh, in classic guy who has just taken some illicit drugs <laughs> way is like, are you upset about something? Fucking deal with it. <laughs> there is something wildly anachronistic about pills <laughs> on Star Trek. You know, why do they exist? Have we ever seen anyone take a pill on Star Trek before this? No, I can't think of a single time. This should be a hypo spray. What is he doing? Yeah, that would be... Not all aliens keep their throats in the same place, right? Right, yeah. 
it would be great to see him like come in, take off his shoe, hypo spray between the toes. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, I had no idea. Want to do a hit? Yeah. All the medicine is in gummy form. The next scene is uh, is Jake Sisko getting hauled into Captain Tim's ready room where Commander Karen wants to see his manager. <laughs> Because he's gotten uh, he's gotten Chief Collins very upset, and uh, and they they don't like him stirring the pot on their ship. They're pissed that he made Collins cry. Yeah. For some reason, Jake squints in incredulity here. Like I love the <laughs> shot reverse shotness of this moment. Yeah. He cannot believe it. <laughs> he sure can. And- and this is another example of what you were talking about before, Ben, where like the way they shoot and block this scene makes Jake look very tall. Yeah. Shooting him from below and waters they shoot as much shorter. They shoot him from above to emphasize this. I almost wanted Jake to be like, I'm three years older than you. Like, yeah. you don't really <laughs> control me. The second my father finds out about what you're up to, you're in a huge amount of trouble is basically the subtext of this scene. I wonder, like, all of the actors who play crew people on the USS Parents on Vacation (laughs) are, like, are good. They're good actors, and I like all of them, but I wonder if they should be younger for that reason, to make that difference more pronounced, because there's never a point in this episode, and save for very few, that I feel like Jake is the elder of them. I never feel that way. This is the only scene that it really felt that way to me, and I think partly it's the text of the scene and partly the the way it's shot because because also Captain Tim is seated, so the camera's above his eyeline looking right. down, and then yeah. the camera's kind of at the same level but looking up at Jake, so Jake looks like a man who is standing above a kid. Right. Jake is dismissed <laughs> with with great condescension, leaving Captain Tim and Exo Karen together in a suggestion that they may be a couple of horny teens. Yeah. That's the feeling that I got. Yeah. I wonder why that subtext wouldn't be injected a little more. Like in like when, when Captain Tim dies, you expect Karen to super feel it in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe she's just so so far gone at that point so so scared that it it doesn't register yeah karen and i dated for a few weeks now the <laughs> only thing that gets me through are these pills <laughs> these for some reason pills <laughs> <laughs> so so this is when jake and nog finally meet back up and yeah. nog is busting because he's got his red squad insignia he's got his extra pip jerry i'm busting he should mm-hmm. have Two extra pips, but he just has the one extra pip. He's mm-hmm. so excited to tell Jake about how he is now chief engineer of the USS Parents Out of Town. He's psyched. And you can't help but feel happy for him, even though his promotion is unearned. Like, that's basically the main thing about Nog is this is what he's always wanted, and he's finally gotten it. And he's gotten this ship moving a lot faster because as they're having like they don't quite have a long enough conversation 
to have Jake kind of explain how foobar the situation is. Like, mm-hmm. Nog has definitely, like, let his head get gassed up a little bit by getting, like, a cool field promotion. But uh, we don't even get to see them have the conflict of, like, maybe we should not listen to these freaks because uh, because it's red alert and they're, they're, they head up to the bridge. And... Uh, they found the battleship. Yeah, they're on the tail of this giant battleship. That ship out there is twice the size of a Galaxy-class ship and three times as strong. That's accurate. Pretty awesome sounding. For some reason, Jake is not welcome on the bridge, and that's because he's just asking questions <laughs> like, uh, like he doesn't belong there. <laughs> they're trying to do a job. Commander Karen puts him in his place. I don't remember anyone inviting you to the bridge. After the commercial, we get a Tim's log. <laughs> bringing us up to speed they launched this probe and the and the data from the probe is totally valuable it's it's revealed some weaknesses in this Jem'Hadar battleship that would seem to be exploitable it's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port and this is a pitch that captain tim makes to the assembled crew in the mess hall he's like mission accomplished guys we were sent out here to get intel on this thing and we've gotten it but Shouldn't we also destroy it? (laughs) And the drawbacks to this plan are listed in this scene. They need to get within 300 meters of this giant battleship in order to shoot a torpedo that is manually targeted. A precise hit will start a chain reaction which should destroy the station. Dog is going to have to specially modify a torpedo, taking out all the guidance stuff and putting in some kind of radiation jammer. And uh, what it'll do is exploit what they believe to be a critical design flaw in this giant Jem'Hadar battleship. And uh, for some reason, Jake speaks up and he says, like, this is not bullseyeing womp rats, guys. Like, this is something that a my dad and his actual crew of actual Starfleet officers would not attempt, given what the condition of this ship and uh i think you guys should for sure not do this and captain tim really uses this to marshal the enthusiasm of his crew in a in a way that is really stunning like it's it's almost like he wanted jake to naysay this so that he could whip red squad into a frenzy by saying nothing is impossible to us who rules I think the thing that really pushes Captain Tim over the edge on this plan is is Exo Karen's veiled shot at him mm-hmm. by comparing the weakness of this Jem'Hadar battleship to Captain Tim's sexual prowess. <laughs> it seems like they might not last that long even in a battle situation. <laughs> I think Captain Tim knows what a reference to wet pasta <laughs> <laughs> is truly referring to. <laughs> For some reason, Jake and Nog wind up in the engineering section uh, doing surgery on a torpedo. And Captain Tim is actually watching the surveillance camera of them and, and listening. You know, he's like popping pills and listening into their conversation. Like every great paranoid. <laughs> you know, this. I thought this is a great scene. Yeah. And uh, it's getting out, right? That he's like take, the, taking these pills. Jake uh, yeah. Jake mentions it to Nog because Jake heard from Dorian. 
the secret is out. Nog tries to Starfleet explain Jake in this scene as if Jake doesn't know right. like what being in Starfleet's all about by virtue of being Jake Sisko. <laughs> if I'm for some reason Jake, am I also for some reason looking for an exit strategy at this point? I I think I would be. Yeah. At this point, where's the nearest life raft? I, I would maybe be like uh, stashing a, a few things that I know I want with me in the nearest yeah. escape pod. <laughs> if he is headed to an escape pod, he doesn't make it because when he leaves engineering, he's immediately arrested by Shepard, which is the Red Squadron guy we knew from Paradise Lost. He's the guy that helped Admiral Layton launch the coup attempt, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. You remember this guy's face? He's got the Gary Busey teeth. He does have the Gary Busey teeth. He's got a very familiar face. Yeah. Like he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's been like a background actor in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Paul Popowich and, and Courtney Peldon, Tim and Karen have also done a lot and specifically a lot of like sci-fi genre stuff, which I think is probably yeah. why I recognize the three of them is like, is, is like they, you know, pop up in a corny monster movie that's like 30 things to the right on some row on the Netflix, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. <laughs> I'll be like, well, wife's asleep. I'm drunk. Let's see what this dumb thing is. <laughs> that's using your time wisely. Yeah. After... For some reason, Jake is thrown into the clink. We get a montage of preparation, and I ordinarily love a scene like this. We're checking our weapons, we're making sure everything's ship-shaped before this battle to come. But it's during this montage that we really get a feeling that Red Squad has a diversity problem. Mm, yeah. Red Squad, uh, Red Squad's got a look, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does, and I, and it, it makes me get, like, low-key Hitler youth vibes. And I don't think that that's an accident. There's a couple of aliens, but they're crucially white aliens, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, that is a really weird choice. Like, and I think that that's, you know, partly just 90s casting racism, but yeah, it's also, yeah. you know, this is a show that styled itself as a, we're breaking down barriers and, and telling stories that couldn't be told on other shows. And, there's no Uhuras in Red Squad. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> morn, morn, morn. sweet morn, morn, morn. You hear, buddy? Morn. Stop. Hammer time. Captain Waters has uh, walked the little V, and he finds himself uh, in ten forward, where Guinan asks him what he's doing. <laughs> Captain Tim's like, uh, I thought it was a tradition for for captains to walk the ship on the eve of a great battle. <laughs> Guinan's like, you're not a great captain and this is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> you're not even really a captain, Captain Tim. Yeah, yeah no, instead, uh, Captain Tim, like he gets to do all of the great captainship that you want. If you want to be captain more than anything, you want to do this on the one MC address of the crew before a big battle. Yeah. He's loving this. I felt like there is there was some great writing in not letting him monologue too much because... Because what if he's great? What if he's, like, what if he's great? You don't want him to be good at this. What if he's great is a question you ask yourself. You also ask yourself, like, what if he kills this huge Jem'Hadar warship and then comes home and has to like accept the rank of ensign and start his career over like he would be 
he's spoiled, right? Like he can't be he can't be yeah. somebody's subordinate from now on because he's been off the curse of success fighting his own war with his own warship for eight right. months. Yeah. It's analogous to what has happened to us with our dumb podcast where we're unhirable now. Right. Yeah. He's a he's a loner daddy. <laughs> the Jem'Hadar battleship is pretty awesome looking. Yeah. We've seen it before, but this is the most we've seen it. And and it's a pretty like kinetic battle sequence with this Jem'Hadar destroyer. Mhm. And mm-hmm. uh and and a very like a very exciting and well done battle too because like they really explain like what the goal is. I mean it's like it's like what if the Death Star sequence from Star Wars didn't work. Right. You know, is <laughs> basically what this posits. I love that the little V flies in the space between the spoiler and the trunk lid <laughs> on this thing. I was great. I was so worried because that one guy gets taken out by all those girders and Shepard turns around right as they're going through that gap. And I was like, yeah. Shepard, look at what you're doing, man. <laughs> If you're a guest star in this episode and you haven't read the entire script and maybe your first shooting day, you notice like you're shooting out a sequence. <laughs> they, they've uh, like, there's a bunch of uh, carts loaded up with girders. <laughs> I think you have to have a bad feeling about your character yeah. surviving this one because it's bangers and girders for the rest of the ep. <laughs> it is. Pretty great sequence. Girder mass murder. Yeah. And they, you know, they come around for their for their pass on the on the weak spot that they believe to exist. And there's a pretty great explosion in space, except for when the when the dust settles, the ship is still there and it is still just as as capable and deadly as it was before. Didn't go in. Just impacting on the surface. Didn't this feel to you like uh, the first time? The Enterprise went back and fought a Borg ship in that Q episode. Yeah. Like, they're just raining torpedoes onto it, and as soon as the blast clears, it's just still there and still coming. It is fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they didn't go for a close-up and show the the ship, like, putting itself back together, which which I loved about that that first Borg episode. Everyone is starting to get fallen samurai hair too. Totally. On the bridge. It's great. Yeah. One thing that we haven't talked about is how, how many like panels and parts of this ship show battle damage as they're walking around it. There's lots of like scorched bits on, on the ship and it's clear that they like don't really know how to maintain the ship in the same way as a professional crew would. Right. Right. But like it also falls apart even bigger than other Starfleet ships, if you can believe it. And uh, this battle culminates with the entire crew and Captain Tim getting a taste of their own girder. Laying a new course! One, two, seven, march! You know, this is a sequence that underscores an observation you made earlier, which is like you need those little details to be equal to all of the exterior shots that we get. Because the exterior shots reveal that this battleship is just fucking stomping them. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're like big holes getting taken out. Like like as they start to list the the number of hull sections that are exposed to space, it's just 
it, you know, the exteriors of the ship are just as Karen's upsetting. like, it would be more expedient if you could just tell me which decks are still intact. <laughs> the sequence where the little V is destroyed is so great. We're getting what feels like a brand new comp of this class of ship. We're getting details of panels opening up and escape pods bursting forth. We're getting those escape pods being shot and destroyed. Yeah. It is ugly. Yeah, the the Gemadar fight dirty and and they're yeah. they're taking They're shooting out, the parachuters. They're taking out the parachuters and uh it's Chief Collins, Nog and Jake like make it into the last lifeboat and they are the only ones that survive. Really fun nod to Spaceballs when Nog gets into one of the escape pods without looking, like back in first, <laughs> and he puts that uh, that alien's arms across his lap yeah. like a seatbelt. Uh-huh. Good stuff. Yeah. Why did they have a zoo aboard the USS Valiant? I don't know. <laughs> Great for morale. Yeah, I guess so. Unclear how long they are adrift before the little D finds them. Yeah. We don't have interiors of these ever, right? Have they ever been shot? I feel like in Star Trek First Contact, we saw the exteriors of those pods, but I don't know if we ever saw inside one with, with the door open, right? No, I don't, I don't believe we have. Hmm. I feel like Starfleet would have a real nice roomy escape pod, you know? Yeah, something with a fruit bowl yeah. <laughs> area. Yeah. So the Defiant picks up this distress call from the escape pods. They cloak and investigate, and then we get this dissolve to Ben, Sisko, and Jake mid-conversation. And what's interesting about cutting in on them mid-conversation is they also cut away mid-conversation in an edit I can't remember another example of on this show. Right. Yeah, it feels very modern television, right? Yeah. That you come in in media race and come out in media race <laughs> yeah interesting technique in the infirmary we learn that uh collins has a skull fracture nog's going to be fine medically but it's unclear if his confidence will ever be a hundred percent yeah he's pretty shattered he's got some regrets and i think it's like a little unclear whether their regrets surrounding like getting his head gassed up by the glory of Red Squad and getting to participate or just regrets over the mission went not well, you know. This war has been going on for a while, but ha- like being spending a bunch of time aboard a Starfleet ship and then having it get destroyed around us and having to make it out on a life raft really re-centers how scary the war is, you know. That's a great call. It takes, you know, so often it takes a big ship being destroyed on Star Trek to really feel the stakes of a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to lose a big pot. Yeah. That's what they did. I had to believe if you're in Dr. Bashir's six bay, you're you're looking very closely at the color bag that they stick on the on the hook for your IV, right? <laughs> oh, like sorry, the, that the, one's for me later. The classic banana bag for for someone who's dehydrated. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Yeah. On the hook over your bed. Collins uh, comes to as Jake and Nog are having 
their their rap sesh about what happened and Jake is going to write the story and Nog wants him to write a story about a great ship and a great crew that that blew it and Collins wakes up and is like still a loyal member of cult Captain Tim it's so I really like this moment in the ep because you it plays with your expectations you're expecting a cadet to feel lucky that she's alive yeah. and changed by the experience but the horrible truth of this moment is that she's unchanged by the experience if he failed it's because we failed him she's a true believer and and that's doubly horrible because she's the one that put Jake onto the fact that Captain Tim was a was struggling with addiction you know like mm-hmm. like Captain Tim was not in his right mind and also like got him and his entire crew killed and she still fully believes in him she still believes in Jasper's law I know you don't get that reference I don't <laughs> Paul Popowicz played uh, the lead singer of a band called Jasper's Law in 90210 okay <laughs> we see that uh, Collins is unchanged but Nog is yeah Nog will be changed forever by this he he takes his red squad pin and presses it into Collins's hand uh, to give it back he may even have been a great man but in the end he was a bad captain he's quitting the squad in the end Captain Tim sucked That's that's the big takeaway. That's the big takeaway, <laughs> Collins. But did the episode, Ben, is my question, did you like it? You really want to do this here? Now, okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. I kind of like the episode. I think you really need to extend your suspension of disbelief around the idea that a Federation ship, A, survived eight months of the war without any, like, resupply or regroup, and B, that it was a Federation ship that was operated entirely by cadets that didn't actually know what they were doing. Right. But I think that there is some pretty well-drawn stuff about, like, the hubris of adolescence and the, like, because it's not Lord of the Flies, right? Like, it's not we revert to our inner evil when we don't have the structure of society over us. It's that like the structure of society like brought the inner evil out of Captain Tim and because he was able to Mau Mau the rest of the crew, he succeeded in this like improbable fiefdom for a little while. And I think that that's like a much more interesting story than Lord of the Flies in a lot of ways. And I think Star Trek is a fun and interesting place to tell a story like that. And I I, I like a Nog episode. I think that it's a, an interesting and good episode to, like, test Nog's mettle as a character. And Jake's, to be honest. Yeah. How about you? I'm with you on the need to suspend a great deal of disbelief to enjoy the ep. I think both of us were able to in order to get there with it. But I could have gone for a little more Lord of the Flies. I could have gone for a little more kid finds his parents gun. Like that's what the little V is. It is a weapon and it it, it also represents freedom. And I don't know that you could get 40 teenagers together yeah. 
on a ship like this and expect them to, to a person, be all about the mission. Some of those kids miss their parents, Ben. You know, some of those kids want to fuck. <laughs> Not all of those kids are going to be chanting Red Squad in, in the commissary. And... This would have made a really interesting three-episode arc yeah. of of experiencing a crew that has had responsibility thrust upon them start to fray a little bit. And I'm not asking for like order of the hand, you know, burn <laughs> barrels in in a in a hallway situation on the little V, but a little bit of dissension, I think, would have made it. I think would have been some nice spice to the thing, especially like the place where I was looking for that most was between Tim and Karen. Yeah. You get the suggestion that there may be more of a relationship that's just, than is just professional there, but where it's unclear in what direction that may be. And I think that's interesting stuff that goes unexplored. I think that if Tim and Karen had fucked, that would have been interesting if Nog and Collins had fucked, there would have been even more weight to that moment at the end yeah. when he says that Captain Tim was a bad captain. I agree with you, Ben. Sexualize Nog. That's what we need to do That's, on this show. That is what this show was missing. You know what I liked maybe most of all in this ep? The new cadet uniforms are badass. Yeah, they're good. I, th- I feel like they should be the main character episodes. <laughs> I, like, I like that they're not black, that they're like pewter. Yeah, and you can kind of... I think like the black uniforms, they just like don't work that well on video. I think. Yeah. You know, like they. Yeah, they they, they, they just disappear. And and they don't work that well on film either. Like the like when we saw the like original Deep Space Nine uniforms in the one Star Trek film that they were in, Star Trek Generations, they looked bad then too. You know. Yeah, this is a show that's trying to find its way. Uh, costume-wise, I think, at this point in time. Well, do you want to find your way to some Priority One messages, Adam? Sure do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first Priority One message is from Ari, and it's to Mark. And it goes... Like this. Happy anniversary! The last five years have been a blast. I'm so lucky to be in love with my best bro. Thank you for always being my side and even pretending to laugh at my bits. It means the world to me. Ben and Adam, thanks for making great pod to listen to on the long drive back and forth to Norfolk. It made the distance seem not so far. Pretty sweet stuff here. Ben, my... My copy editor heart took note of a thing that I know you also did. When you refer to someone as being your side, there is a connotation here. <laughs> I don't know if, if Mark is Ari's side piece. <laughs> I don't believe that's the suggestion. I, I think my guess is that Ari meant to, see, meant to say, thank you for always being at my side. Right. But... But whatever it is, the feeling is very strong between them. Ari is also a person that is prone to doing, to having bad bit moments, it sounds like. And if, if that is true, <laughs> capable of making mistakes. So, Right, right. We're very familiar with that lifestyle. God, we sure are. 
Ben, our second priority one message is from a fellow space traveler stuck way out for just a little while, and it's to the FOD. Ben, Adam, and anybody who was, is feeling stuck in orbit. Message goes like this. Being adrift in time and space, I figured I'd float the boa and beam a signal to all you lovelies out there. Stay strong, and may these nerd thoughts please you. Thought number one, change leader thinks of solids the same way Mr. Futterman does foreign products. <laughs> Great poll. Wow. Agree. That's that's something that you'll have to elucidate for yourself by listening to our great Gremlins bonus episode in the uh, in the Max Fund donor feed. Kentucky Harvester. Thought number two: Cisco should be promoted to Commodore immediately. Wow. I mean, if you do that, uh, does he stay on the station, or is someone promoted into captain over there? There's some TOS episode where there's a Commodore that they meet. That's um that's like the head of a star base, right? Mm-hmm. Commodore Mendez is who I was thinking of from uh, the TOS episode. That's the one. He's Commodore of, of the star base that, uh, yeah. that Wheelchair Pike lives at. Uh, thought number three in this message is which term is more cringy? Trechnology or Star Tech? Ooh. Both pretty cringy there. Both pretty cringy. I think Star Tech is worse because it doesn't it doesn't even get you to what we're talking about. Did you ever have the Motorola StarTAC phone? I never had a flip phone. I was just thinking about that the other day. I never had a phone with a hinge on it, Adam. That was my first cellular phone, and I got wow, it. because fancy that, boy. That was its name. Oh, I, <laughs> ben, I used tuition money on it. That was, that was dumb. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you answer. get your first cell phone in college? I did. Yeah. Wow. I never I had, had a pager. I skipped pager on the evolution of teenagerdom. I had a um, an alphanumeric pager before I had a cell phone, and, and I had a cell phone when I was in high school. See, I thought not having a pager would give me a greater sense of, uh, of freedom, freedom yeah. being a prized aspect of being a teenager, but uh, I didn't really leave the house much, so... <laughs> yeah. Didn't really matter. Yeah. I had that pager, thought I was cool until no one paged me on it. Right. Yeah, you get the bill with all with like the list of incoming pages and there's there's it's nothing just, there. Just my mom's phone number. It's the it's the page that comes in to tell you that your bill is due. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Well you get billed right away for filling out a priority one message by going over to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron. Uh, both flavors, both the personal and the commercial, are messages that go a long, long way towards helping with the financial production of the greatest generation, and we thank you. We sure do. Gotta get that, get that gold press action. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic. 
that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, I don't know if this person has a name, but um, during the the montage of readiness, (laughs) there is uh, an unfortunate ECU of a crew member that I'm just going to call the Zitty Crewman. (laughs) (laughs) I did catch that. And I... It's hard to think of another shot slash crew person in a future hundreds of years from now, which has uh, the complexion that I am so familiar with by looking in the mirror. 
Like, look at that guy. He's still in Starfleet. You wonder, right? Like, can't a dermal regenerator sort you out? W slash R slash T acne? I, I mean, what kind of perfect future is this? If it can't do that, it made yeah. me it made me both thrilled and sad to see Ziddy Crewman. So uh, they are my drunk Shimoda. What about you, Ben? Um, my drunk Shimoda is uh, another unnamed crewman. There's only a couple of aliens in the crew. One of them is an, is a Vulcan. He's like one of the few people on the crew that seems to be like roughly similar height to Jake. He's he's way in the back in that scene when Captain Tim comes in and and says the we're Red Squad and we can do anything, and everyone starts chanting Red Squad, Red Squad, Red Squad. I don't like that moment. He's the only one that doesn't. He's just standing in the back, not saying anything. He's clearly embarrassed by, by what's happening. There's our dissenting opinion storyline that we were hoping for. Yeah. I mean, like that's that's the one thing I love about this episode is that you kind of can can feel all of the interesting other stories that are available to be told. You know, it leaves yeah. us wanting more. Yeah, and and most of the time that is the mark of a episode that we like. Absolutely. Well, do you want to see if the next episode will be one that we also like, Adam? I sure hope it is. We'll be able to find out by going to gawk.biz slash game, where yeah. Game of Buttholes, Will of the Prophets awaits. And currently we are on square 77 on the porch of an nth degree slash extensive research episode. Oh boy, that's, the, uh, that's, that's probably the most controversial kind of episode we've got, Adam. Just after that is the No Notes, Caught in the Nebula app, and I like how close those two squares are. They seem mirror-related. <laughs> well, the next episode is Season 6, Episode 23, Profit and Lace. When Grand Negus Zek is deposed, Quark poses as a female to help him regain his power. All right. <laughs> You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, I'm going to get ready and roll this thing. Uh, I'm going to need your help, Adam. Will you blow on these bones? Oh, boy, Adam. We are caught in the nebula for the next episode. Cool. We landed on that on that frayed Riker, the, the, the beardy... Messed up hair Riker of a of a future that we dare not contemplate. This is kind of a throwback for us. I feel like the the early eps of Greatest Gen were with very few notes. It was just you and I uh, shooting the breeze about an episode we had just watched. So I'm expecting that kind of vibe here. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. Can't wait. And uh, we'll take our leave here. What do we need to tell the people? Well, I think there's a bit of news that, that we have yet to announce on the show. It's that uh, The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery have a Twitter handle of their own. It's at Greatest Trek. Yeah. Follow at Greatest Trek on Twitter and Instagram for uh, you know all the uh, official updates from the show. Do we want to do we want to announce who is running those accounts, Adam? Oh, yeah, we should. Much like uh, Nog... 
was field promoted to uh, a rank he didn't deserve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unlike that, Adam. We, yeah, unlike that, uh, we have field promoted Bill Tilly to the rank of, of social media lieutenant. He will be running the Greatest Trek Twitter account as well as the Greatest Trek Instagram feed. He's promised not to uh, inundate those feeds with only his great comedy trading cards, uh, which are which are probably the ways that that most greatest gen friends of Desoto would know Bill Tilly. Uh, he's been a friend of the show for a long, long time, yeah. and we're and we're happy to have him uh, work with us on this aspect of our show. We sure are, and uh, and we're uh, trying to pay him a fair rate for uh, for maintaining those accounts for us and. Um, if you're in a position to help us uh, cover the cost of that, head to maximumfund.org/join to support the show on a monthly basis. Because uh, this only gets more and more expensive to do. That's right. Music on the show was created by uh, another friend of Desoto, Adam Ragusia, who has since uh, left us in the dust for his wildly popular cooking YouTube channel. Uh, you can find him on YouTube at Adam Ragusia. He will. He'll teach you how to cook anything. There's not yeah. anything that guy won't cook. He knows all the cooking techniques. He taught me how to make a great uh, a great ice cream at home without the use of an ice cream machine. How about that? What flavor was your ice cream? I made a strawberry ice cream because they had really nice local strawberries at my grocery store the other day that were just super, super flavorful. And... Uh, and I made a I made an ice cream out of them. It's been a highlight of my week eating that ice cream. I've never had produce like Southern California produce. It's a yeah, fucking it's delight, man. It's good. Yeah, gotta keep eating those strawberries. There's a there's a brief window, but it's a it's a special time to be sure. Um, well, uh, we got to thank uh, our network, Maximum Fun. Uh, listen to all the shows on Maximum Fun, especially our shows like The Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire. Maximum Fun saw a good thing. With us, they, they decided to, to put their chips on all of our shows. If you've got to win, you've got to hit. We feel very lucky for that. We feel lucky for, uh, for having so many great viewers out there. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. Which, I don't know, probably like we're going to stick our faces into a, a frosted cake. <laughs> and then when Pierce Brosnan walks into the kitchen, we'll, we'll be like, hello! <laughs> you know, a Deep Space Nine episode capitalizing on the, on the wild popularity of Mrs. Doubtfire. This yeah. is what I'm expecting from a quark dressing as a lady quark episode somebody will come in and say well what's your name and he'll say it's mrs and then he'll like look around the room and he'll see a dvd of mrs doubtfire <laughs> on the shelf and he'll say doubt <laughs> and then he'll look around a little bit more and see another dvd of mrs doubtfire <laughs> on the shelf and say fire mrs doubtfire it's a classic <laughs> <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.